sixth episode of Book Off Banter. Before I get started, I just want to thank you so much for taking the time to send us some really lovely messages. We've been blown away by your support. We've had some really fantastic questions come in and some funny stories. So I'm going to remind you of where you can find us because we like to hear nice things. We're on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook at Book Off Banter and our email is bookoffbanter at gmail.com. This episode, we're going to talk about things non-horsey people say and think about us, and does a good horse need to be difficult? But first, I want to hear all about your first event back. It was amazing! Oh my God, I loved every moment. Uh, It was hot, it was like 32 degrees. I sweated from places I didn't know I could sweat from, um, which did make me laugh. And I'm going to do an impression now, and I've tried to practice this impression whilst I was riding. I've got quite a lot of Australian followers of my page. And when I put on my page, oh, it was 30 degrees. And they were like, good day. <laughs> that, okay, more that's just, <laughs> clearly. That's just a spring oh, day. That's, that's that is not Australian. Australian. What even is oh, that? I, I'm shy. I can't do an Australian accent. <laughs> Australian people, I'm very sorry. Good day. That was not a hot day. <laughs> that was just a spring day. <laughs> so basically, this Australian used to live in America, perhaps the deep south. I don't know. Anyway, so they were all laughing at me, saying that it was hot, say degrees, because supposedly, like in Australia, it gets like forty degrees in the event. How they do it? How they still got kneecaps and they haven't sweated them off? I don't know. So anyway, it was really hot. Um, my dressage was shit. We knew it was going to happen. And then we got a double clear in the time. So we finished on our dressage score. Uh, sadly, the dressage was bad enough to leave me outside the placing. But it was a first event back. So oh, yeah. It was uh, eight weeks. And it was a competitive section. Do you know, it was one of those sections sort of like I would have had to like really considerably improve my score to have done it. Yeah. And I'm going to improve my score. Yes. Because nobody tell Mr. Hutton this because I feel that when he hears this news he's going to run very fast in the opposite direction particularly if I talk to him in an Australian accent <laughs> he, so basically Charlie Hutton is doing a clinic at my trainer's place and so I have booked on brilliant I'm going to I'm going to smash those dressage demons yeah I'm not talking in an Australian accent ever again no maybe this could be like <laughs> every week you could do a different accent could you do Irish <laughs> next time I suspect it'd probably be the same accent. <laughs> it was just the me saying it was an Irish accent. I could try. I'm going to practice next week. I'll do you an Irish accent. Do you know Vince is going to be like, "What the fuck's going on up there?" <laughs> he's Irish. I I think he was rolling his eyes anyway. He was like, "Oh, for goodness sake, what is that?" Good day. <laughs> that was quite good. That was quite good then. But I can't understand because I used to watch Neighbours religiously when I was younger. I don't understand why I can't do it. No, it's not happening, is it? Anyway, how was your week? <laughs> oh, you had a you've had a great week. Well, apart from when you got home. Yeah, it's been an up and down week. So I went on holiday, which was amazing. Oh. Um, it was really really nice to get away. I had like the funniest moment. I got off the plane, looked at my phone, and I had all these messages from Jesus. You know, when you're like, Jesus! From Jesus! And I was like, what the fuck is going on? Like, for a little second, my head went, Jesus is messaging me. I'm not even religious. Like, what's good? As if Jesus had, like, an iPhone. I then yeah. realized that the guy who we, got, we were having the villa from, I didn't know he was called Jesus, but he was. And so 
when he oh my god like missed call from jesus whatsapp from jesus and i thought i was being when you've just by christ just as when you got off a plane as well you're like did the plane crash is am i exactly. in the afterworld <laughs> <laughs> jesus is like contacted me so it's quite a strange when start we... to my holiday so like poor ben who you know is used to just my craziness like i just said to him ben I've got missed calls from Jesus. And he like looked at me. (laughs) (laughs) That's brilliant. I know. So that was my little start of it. And then I wore a bikini. bikini. Yes. I'm not even going to lie though. I've actually had to put myself on a diet post holiday because I looked at the bikini pictures and I was like, I'm, I felt absolutely fine in it. I think it's one yeah. of those things, isn't it? It's ripping off a band-aid. Like once you've done it, then yeah, you just yeah. get on with it. And it's just like, it became the norm to wear a bikini. But when we go on holiday, right, Ben is like, I know I'm his wife and I'm biased, but honestly, he is like smoking. And so he goes black, his hair goes white. And he just looks amazing. I stay white. Actually, I'll have to quickly, I got a spray tan before I went and I said to the woman, can you spray me quite dark? Cause I'm really fair and I won't go brown at all. And she was like, no, we don't do that. Um, oh. I want, you need to look sophisticated. And I said, no, no, I don't, oh. I don't want no, to. No, no, I don't want to look, I want to look like a member of Girls Aloud. I don't exactly. want to look sophisticated. I said, the browner you are, the skinnier you look. Yeah. So I am yeah. thinking of like a different ethnic origin. That's the kind of like yeah. color I'm going for. And she said, no, she refused to do it. So I went. Wow. Did white. you go somewhere else? No, because it was the day before I was going. So I didn't have bloody time. So I went white. I came back white with a, a tiny red circle on my tummy where I'd missed a patch and I'd burn really easily. Um, oh. So, and I also <laughs> am allergic, clearly, to Spanish midges. So the midges didn't bite anyone else. They only bit me. And I then came out in an allergic reaction. Oh my, God. my hair you'll be able to see is big in England add humidity and really I needed cold oh clothes. god so basically what I'm saying is Ben looks better when he's on holiday and I look substantially worse so oh my god that was disappointing and then yeah I came home and Tinkerbell Henry's pony could have given mm-hmm. Katie Price a run for her money because she had the worst mastitis I have ever seen Oh my God. Yeah, like horrific. So that was bad enough. But then Pancake has a bloody big lump on his tendon. So he's getting scanned tomorrow. And I'm in like the depths of despair because do you know it was the first Mm. time that I'd a little bit relaxed on holiday? And yeah. And like old me, I never used to go on holiday because I'm such a control. No, I don't. Yeah. But then like, it's, it's like we're talking about, it's then it's the mum guilt of, well, Henry should go on holiday. And so yeah, then yeah. I do that. And then I came back and to find two ill horses, honestly, it was like just the biggest come down from a holiday. Yeah. And like poor Ben then has to listen to me like, oh, yeah. this is like the worst. End of the world, oh. isn't it? Yeah. It's, and so, yeah. So basically I feel, I'm feeling a little bit shit. Like a couple of the horses have got niggly things and so I can't, like, um, and then I've got the green off run, which basically I'm going to have more than a niggly injury. So I'm going to just stop there because I'm just whinging. Yeah, you are a little bit down, <laughs> aren't you, love? <laughs> You're going to have to cheer me do up. You want me to, 
<laughs> do an accent. Talk my Australian, I was going to talk my Australian accent again to cheer you up. Oh, my word. I'm not being funny, but I was losing a bit of the will there with that whole saga going on. Poor Ben. Poor Ben. Well, oh, that's horses. You've just got to ride the storm sometimes, haven't you? So oh, I hope they get better soon. Or box rest the storm. <laughs> box rest the storm. That's 100% it, isn't it? Oh, box rest. Oh, on positive though, they did have oh. new head collars for when the vet came. Oh, I saw that. Yeah, you've, but I didn't. I did say I was going to, but then I was like, actually, you know what? I'm not going to. So mine has still got their scratchy ones. I'll take photos of you for you. You'll Thanks. love it. <laughs> you think your midgy bites are bad. This will bring you out in hives. <laughs> okay, so you were going to tell me about the Europeans because I have missed all of it while I was yeah, listening. Um, I don't really want to, I think most people will have seen a lot of the Europeans, but I do think there's some bits that we need to cover, we need yeah. to talk about. So basically the first one, because loads of people sort of uh, tweeted me about this and said, are you going to talk about this on the podcast? And it was the arena storm by a group of vegans. I don't know if you've seen this in the press. I, I don't know who, I can't it. remember. I don't know who the show jumper was, but he was about to start his round and two people burst into the arena with writing on them about the slavery of horses, no to the slavery of horses. And afterwards, a social media post basically saying that they were vegans against the, basically, the slavery of horses for sport. And when people sort of tweeted me and said, do you want to talk about this? I thought, well, what's there to talk about? They're a pair of fucking idiots aren't they quite frankly because the only slavery that goes on is the actual horse owner there's no slavery in the horses i mean the horse owner basically slogs themselves to their very guts to look after them they spend every penny they've got on these horses no there's no slavery so i didn't really think there was much to talk about there and then i was thinking about this when i was out riding and i was thinking but actually I don't know, but if you look at some of the things that goes on in horse sport, some of the things that makes us ashamed, and you think, well, you know, if they've seen that, it's funny. Have we got a place? When you were just saying that, I was just thinking the same thing. I thought, was it our last episode, or maybe the episode before, where we talked about Andy Coker? And like, if that's what they saw, they're well Well, within their rights. I was going to say, this guy that was obviously doing his show jumping round, he was obviously one of us, a well respected, kind rider, etc. I would like to think. But if those vegans had run out in front of Andy Coker's round or, mm-hmm. let's put this even more controversially, in front of uh, one of the UAE endurance riders, would, the, would they have had more of a point? And I'd be like, actually, I think they would have. Yeah. You know, and I think if they've witnessed horses that don't ever get turned out, you mm-hmm. know, these are top class, you know, top class horses, dressage horses, children horses never get turned out, constantly on tours, jumping in Grand Prix all over the place, endurance, dressage arenas, warm-ups where we're seeing roll curve. Yeah. If they're witnessing that, you're kind of thinking, if that's what they're seeing, it's a little bit difficult. I'm not saying that I respect their opinion, and I'm not saying that I think or they've got points. Or how they maybe went about it. But I yeah. completely agree with you. I feel like everyone would expect us as horsey people to be like, oh, they're, they're ridiculous and... But actually, mm. no, because until as a sport, we are clean and mm. we are able to be proud of the people that are representing us. 
Mm -hmm. Actually, I don't blame people for looking at our sport and questioning it because I can hand on heart say the horses in my stable are happy, they're well cared for, they do the job Mm -hmm. if they want to, if they don't want to do it, Mm -hmm. they don't do it. That's Mm -hmm. fine. But like, I look at people like Andy Coker and think, Mm. yeah, I would protest against that. And I know the side of horses. And I know that most of us aren't like that. But while people are still abusing horses' good Mm -hmm. nature, then yeah, I think you can't blame other people for not being able to watch that. I think that, you know, the fact that these people are vegans is neither here nor there here. Because I think that, I don't know, if, if they're arguing about some of the nastier things that go on in our sport, then, I don't know, they may have a point and I think I don't like you say I don't like how they went about it but I do think until we constantly strive to give every horse within the sport the best life possible yeah then we have to accept that we are always going to constantly face these criticisms and these people with an opinion on what we do so and then the golden girl of dressage Mr Jardin yeah then got eliminated and actually, I've just talked about, oh, we, we have to do this and we have to do that. But I do actually feel for her here because she was eliminated for blood on her horse's side and she was put out a statement. And you know when you somebody puts out a statement and you kind of think, oh, they've just put out a statement. But it kind of read incredibly, incredibly heartfelt, didn't yeah, it? I it kind that. of... I wrote and I thought that, on our Facebook page because I read that and exactly like you, you felt, yeah. you felt it for her yeah 100% and I think that she would have been absolutely gutted but she never disputed the rule nobody has disputed the rule at all blood is blood it is as clear as day and I think you know there were a lot of people going oh until you've sorted out this sorted out that it's just a bit blood no that's the rule stick with it it was held up in the best possible way and the FEI did the correct thing she fell foul to something there could have been numerous reasons why, but at the end of the day, that is the rule. And I approve of that. I approve of her reaction, which was, like I said, incredibly heartfelt. I did feel for her. Um, and I've gathered by some account she's facing trolling as an effect, but that's always going to happen, isn't it? I thought that was sad because it's like you, you knew that she was down and she had been punished what else did you want like if somebody hasn't been punished I could more understand I don't necessarily condone it yeah more understand you you know say like I feel like Andy Cook is getting an absolute roasting on this pod but um I could maybe understand if you messaged him and said look that was absolutely horrific to watch you you were out of line because it feels like he got away scot-free she didn't she lost a huge, huge competition. Yeah. She had that taken from her. She had been punished. You do not need yeah. to message her and put your two pence in. Like, it, no. that is literally just putting the boot in. I no, didn't. Like I that. absolutely agree. I absolutely 100% agree. And most of the people that then did chip up didn't have a fucking clue what they were talking about anyway, did they? There was lots of people saying, um, well, she shouldn't have been wearing spurs if she's such a good rider. And you're like, it's compulsive at the level. Do you know what I mean? It was just uh, compulsory. Sorry, not compulsive. That's very different. Um, but um, I, and I think the very fact that she let these people upset her goes to show how upset she was already. Because, you when know, you're and down, the, the, when you're down. So I think that that was 
massive and i and i and i don't think we can ever dispute um that she does not look after her horses her horses you know they've advocated they've made such huge movements for dressage horses the turning out about is exactly you know we're talking about we need to do the best we can for the horses while we compete them you know these people have really moved things forward their horses hack out they pop over jumps Mm -hmm. they do pole work they go out in the field they are happy athletes they are trained kindly and respectfully and i think of all the people for it to happen to it was just it was just such bad luck i think it's one of those things isn't it it's when you're at the top as much as she is one day it's just not going to roll in your favor and that just yeah everyone has shit look it's kind of like what you've just said to me you know that's how it goes with horses you know Mm. sometimes it's an injury sometimes it's a fault whatever some days it's just not your day and it was her day for really shit luck um, mm. And I think that's sad. And I think what was sad is that other people didn't kind of go, that was shit for you. There was no intent on your part. No. I'm really sorry. You know, that people mm. were like, oh, well, you've abused the horse or, oh, you should be ashamed. And it's, that's what mm. was sad about that, I thought. Absolutely. I agree. Definitely. So if you're listening, Charlotte, we support you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we think you're all right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure she regularly tunes in. Oh, I'm sure she does. Just to listen to my Australian accent and to find <laughs> out whether I've licked um, Andrew Nicholson yet. I think the whole world... Or to find out whether I've bought the trainer boots. The whole world is on tenterhooks oh my about God. that, aren't they? About those trainer bloody boots. Never mentioned in a piece of clothing again. <laughs> Good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're going to move on to our first topic, which is things that non-horsey people say or think about us. So I think they think that we're all lunatics because Mm. we're only ever interested, really, I find, in conversations that involve horses. Like, do you find that your eyes kind of glaze over and then you hear the word horse and you're like, perk up. Absolutely. And then Absolutely. it's like a whole other language that we like batter them with. So my dad oh, had this thing where when I started talking about horses, because he is really non-horsey, and he would just say, oh, Pelhams and Martingales, Pelhams and Martingales. And I was like, <laughs> like no, I'm, I'm telling you about interesting things. And he was just like, it's just Pelhams and Martingales to me. I think that's how Ben feels about most of his life. Oh. At least he's semi-horsey though, isn't he? Because he's a farrier. He is now. So he, he has got some clue. Whereas my, my husband is not horsey at all. And he'd never even touched a horse, really, until he met me. He's only sat on a horse once in his life. And so basically this, this whole new world was opened up to him. Of poverty, mostly. <laughs> um, and... We always remember one time when he had snuck some washing into the washing machine because that's the thing that we have to do, isn't it? When like, you know, you can't do it when they're in. And I, I stuck it in. I'd forgotten it was there. And he'd gone to the washing machine, got them out. <clears throat> he came and he was fuming. He was like, how many times? So I have to, and I put some saddle cloths in or numbers as we know them. And he came running in. How many times do I have to tell you not to wash these bloody num-nums in the washing <laughs> machine? And although he was angry at me, I pissed myself laughing because it was just the funniest thing I've ever heard. Um, and so, yeah, I do remember one time him being, we were talking and someone said, oh, I believe your wife rides. And he was like, yes, she's got chance. He's, he's 16, eight. <laughs> the best of it is chance was only 15 three he just like made up this completely different new height 
Um, so yeah, I think it's quite endearing when they try to say Pelham's a mine. Yeah, get the language. And they try attempt to get the language right. Yeah, and fail miserably. Because I'm a, I, I work as well, and obviously my poor work colleagues they're hit with this this horsiness and the funniest one I ever got was it was Grand National was on at the weekend and I was at work that week and someone said to me oh are you taking part because <laughs> <laughs> to them it was a horse it was doing something I must have been riding it and I just thought where do I even start explaining this? <laughs> like different sports different well how where? and I just basically just went no not no, this I'm year not. maybe next yeah. year <laughs> <laughs> I can't even go there I can't even start to tell you why I'm not taking part in the Grand National um so yeah bless them bless that's them like you get a people. lot if you say I'm having a lesson and they're like well can't you ride by now oh god yeah and you just absolutely like you just want to say well no basically like <laughs> no <laughs> yeah. Well, that is the truth as well. Though, <laughs> yeah. You would think, you would think after all this time I could ride, but guess what? I can't. No, can't ride at all. Although I did have my, one of my work colleagues just asked me, we were just sat once and he just said, tell me how you ride a horse. And I went, like, I can't just describe it to you. And he went, but you must be able to. You put the to. key in like, the ear and turn <laughs> it. You <laughs> would start by telling me how you get on. And you've got to imagine as well, you know, not just that, I'm talking about a whole host of new length stirrups. And, yeah. Do you know, I thought, I can't, I cannot describe how to ride a horse to you. He yeah. just looked at me. I think he looked at me like I was a bit simple. He was like, <laughs> you spent all this time doing it. And you can't and even get on can't, it. Ex- you can't even <laughs> explain how to get on the horse. That's but they just... all just think that we sit there anyway, don't they? Like, that's got to be well, the classic. Yeah, but... They're like, oh, oh, absolutely. You, you ride a horse, but it's just really sitting while the horse does all the work. And like, my uncle once said that to me, like, but you don't do anything. And I said, I'll tell you what, if you ride this horse, you tell me tomorrow if your muscles are hurting, and then we'll uh-huh. see. And he was tell like, me which muscle doesn't hurt? Yeah, he's like, no, no, no. It's like, well, yeah, because if we're sitting doing nothing, crack on. Yeah, yeah, off you go, buddy. We yeah. go get yourself around the Grand National, <laughs> like what I'm going to be doing at the weekend. <laughs> it's like as well when yeah. people think it's a really sexy sport, and that makes me crease. Oh well. God, yeah. Because absolutely, like, I feel sorry for our husbands because people will think that we're dressed in like white breeches and tight boots and immaculate. Like the- like the cover of Jilly Cooper book, basically. Yeah. They think we're walking around dressed like someone out of a Jilly Cooper book, having sex in the hay bales all the yeah. time. When, when the truth of the matter is, we basically look a bit like tramps. Yeah, Stink. Don't we? we do look, we smell of horse piss. Yeah. We are filthy. And we're too tired there from riding the horses to do anything else. Oh, and mucking out and stuff. There is nothing, nothing sexy is there about it. And you just kind of think, oh, bless you. Thinking yeah. you were getting someone sexy and you haven't. You basically got a skin tramp. But never mind. <laughs> Who speaks a different language and is bored unless you're talking oh, yeah. that language. Oh yeah. Yeah. And and still hasn't taken part in the Grand National. So you can't even talk about that with your work colleagues. So yeah. Can't even put a bet oh. on. <laughs> oh, you can't even put a bet on us, can you? Oh. So we yeah, had this I thing just... as well with like um we're on a public footpath. 
And the amount of people that would come up to us and say, why are your horses wearing blindfolds? And oh my God, it used to drive me mad because I said to Ben, do they think that like, just for shits and giggles, I blindfold all the horses and then like go, who do you think is going to crash into each other first? Oh like, God, which one's yeah. going to walk into a tree? <laughs> like, like, like some sort of bizarre pin the tail on the donkey that you put the blindfold on the horse. <laughs> like, like, what sort of a sadist? I'll have the vegans here, won't I? Oh, bloody because... yeah, we march. They'll be marching through, no, written across their chest, no blindfolds for horses. <laughs> oh my God, you're going to end up on the front page of the papers. Ooh, at least I'll get on the front page for something. Well, yeah, definitely. <laughs> but yeah, like, oh my. that genuinely baffled me because I would think like, why would I do, like, I just wanted to be like, well, why wonder, would I do you have, that? You have to wonder, don't you, about what goes through their head and you think, I have to get. why would you anyone think that you're blindfolding a horse? Yeah, like, strangest thing. You say that, but I do know of a girl who had the RSPCA called because she had a grass muzzle on her horse and they, somebody called the RSPCA out saying that it was cruel because they were stopping the horse from eating and drinking. <laughs> And well, the, the not eating thing is kind of the point of the puzzle, but you know, but uh, yeah, and the RSPCA had to come out, they had to fill it, the thing, and you're kind of thinking, really? But then I guess, I guess to a non horsey person, a muzzle does look quite horrific. <laughs> Imagine if it had a fly like, mask and a muzzle on, oh they'd be like, God. it can't see, oh it can't breathe, it can't eat. Oh my God, their heads would actually explode. There wouldn't be enough room on their bodies to write their <laughs> vegan messages, would there? They, they, they would just, they'd just like be no parts of them left to write on. <laughs> no. Oh God, they'd have to have like a pack no of them, No to horse slavery. Yeah. No to horse slavery. No to blindfolds. <laughs> no to Hannibal Lecter masks. I don't know. It's all just, oh God. Yeah. But non-horsey people, they are lovely when they, they get it slightly wrong. And it they is and one like, of my favourite things. I get that they think we're lunatics because I think we're lunatics, to be honest. I think it's the craziest thing oh, yeah. ever. So I get it. Like, but they oh, are funny. Abs- absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. And, um, and I think that would be really nice if people could let us know when, you know, like my husband called the numner and num num, which we all call now in our house. I want to get my white num nums out from my show. Um, somebody else that might have got, oh, I've got a funny one actually. And it was when, Isaac was little and he'd been he'd worn some shoes and they'd rubbed his heels and he had blisters mm-hmm. and he came in and he said to me my feet are hurting and he looked really serious he went I think I've got laminitis <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing grazing muzzle on yeah get that get that grazing muzzle and your blindfold on love um <laughs> Yeah, so he thought he had laminitis. He didn't realise it was just a thing that horses could get. So, <laughs> but I was very stressed about his pony having laminitis. In, in my defence, so <laughs> goes to show that's all. That is all we talk about. Maybe he thought he would get more attention and sympathy if he said he had laminitis. <laughs> He's probably right. To be fair, I'll pretend I've got something a horse has got. Then she'll call me a vet. Then we'll get some sympathy from her. Otherwise, she just ignores me and tells me to take some cow pole. <laughs> Okay, well, so we're going to move on to our second topic, which is, does a horse have to be difficult to be good? And this came about for a number of reasons. Um, I get really fed up 
of seeing stuff on Facebook mainly about, you know, oh, well, it's got to be, if it's, it's got to be a bit quirky to be good. And when people will say, you know, oh, um, I've got this really difficult horse. Well, don't give up because you will be a better rider than all of those people who just ride nice horses. And mm. that really, it annoys me because I just feel that sometimes you do get a really quirky horse that's good. And sometimes horses do need a chance, but equally for most riders, they just, you don't need a horse that is trying to decapitate you every time you try and take it round a British novice. Like, I just mm. don't believe that. I think it's twofold. I think that sometimes, basically, it's going to sound like an awful thing to say, crap horses are kept going with people. People keep going with a crap horse um, because it's quirky, so it must be talented. Mm -hmm. And they're mistaking quirkiness to talent. Um, and they keep going with horses which probably aren't suitable for them for the re for this reason that people keep telling them that all talented horses are quirky, all talented horses are quirky. That's so I think that is it twofold. And also there is also this little bit of I don't know bragging almost. Yeah. That they they must be a better rider because they can get these results with this quirky horse. I'm talking about normal people nowadays. Yeah. When I when I use this, you know, the 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 likes of you and I out there, perhaps are not a pro rider. Yeah. Um. You know, I think a pro rider they would be more willing and more able to take on a quirk and a quirky horse. And I think to... that's fair enough because they need a bit of a freak of nature, don't they? Like you know, to yeah. go around badminton you know, nine times out of 10, you're not going to get a normal no. everyday horse to do that. But what I disagree with is like, okay, so this horse might jump a 120 or a 130 or something. It, maybe 10% of the time, the rest of the time it's trying to break your legs. Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually you can get a million horses that can go and can do that and want to do that and want to help you. And I speak from experience here because sheerly for financial reasons i have spent most of my riding career riding quirky horses mm. horses that for one reason or another didn't want to do the job that i wanted them to do with the same yeah, enthusiasm yeah. that i wanted to do it yeah, yeah and yeah. it has it's ruined me as a rider it's made yeah. me defensive it's shattered my confidence it's taken me so long to progress because I've spent more time on the surface than going over fences. And I, I've got Manny now who he wants to do the job. Like, I'm um, hi guys. Um, we've just had a visitor. Oh, Nora. Nora. Nora wants to be on the podcast. Oh, I know this is twice. Oh, Rupert's come in as well now. Don't hang on a sec. Hang on out. She, the problem is she won't do as she's told Oscar <laughs> glasses aren't working they'll stop going oh. can you get them out so we're back now we've got rid of Nora and Rupert <laughs> sorry about that <laughs> um, so yeah I was just saying like I got money and the difference in having a horse who just wants to help you wants to do the job and he is yeah. not the flashest horse you know we're, no. we're not going to go to the Olympics but do you know what I'm actually having some fun and that means quite a lot. Yeah. And my limbs you know are working better than they used to. Also I could, I could a hundred percent agree with you there. So um, 
I have had, oh, to be fair, all of my horses, I've, I, I seem to be able to pick out nice, safe horses. So I've never had the ones that have tried to kill me. So I've been quite lucky with that. But then obviously Vince came along and do you know something? Vince is, as when we talked about them as being humans, he is the nice guy. We said this before and he wants to be liked. He wants to be my buddy and he wants to do what I want to do. Yeah. And so he will, he's cheeky, you know, he, he will check in the old cheeky thing here and there just to keep you on my toes. But he is the nicest horse to have around. I can take him to a show and he's no trouble at a show. I'm not being decked in the warm up. He just warms up. He jumps. He then goes in the ring. He does the jump. You know, he he does his dress. He does everything that I want him to do when I want him to do it. And my rule is, I kind of look at him and I go, Do you know what? He costs. It costs as much to keep a bad one yeah. as it does a good one. So I totally agree with that I've, now. I've got. I've now. I've now got this wonderful horse. That, and I would be hard pushed. But by the same token as well is also I think I'm more realistic nowadays about what I'm going to achieve. Yes. And I think I know I'm not going to do X, Y and Z. So I now I know I only need a horse that's going to do what I want it to do. So straight away I can stop thinking about all these quirky, talented horses that might go to badminton. And I can just buy the nice horse yeah. that will go around a BE novice and hopefully do a two-star with me. And that is all it's about i absolutely agree with what you've just said there like i i think i've come to the same realization of yeah, yeah this might be quirky and yes it might want to be able to do 140 but actually i'm not john whittaker like i'm an average rider and i am a mum and i just want to have a nice time and i yeah. don't need to prove that i can ride x y and z i i literally just want to go and have a nice time and come home yeah with all come home have a have some cheesy chips and come home and think yeah yes, that was a nice day at a show and i also think and this is probably getting maybe a little bit more like i don't know controversial but sometimes with those quirky horses do they want to do the job mm. and that for me is important as well because you know some i get that they just need like they need a decent rider and they just, yeah. you know, they need to be ridden by a certain type of person. But some of them, like we had a mare, that it was actually the mare that broke my arm. Um, and she was insanely talented. Her breeding was to die for. She hated show jumping mm. with a passion. So any chance she got, she'd dog you into the bottom of the fence. We gave mm. her away. I could have sold her onto a dealer and got decent money. Yeah. She had, you know, she had good money on her card. She'd done age classes. I didn't. I gave her away as a hunter to an older lady who didn't want to jump. She just wanted to follow. And yeah. that mare was in her element. The lady yeah, had living the, the, best, living time. the best life. Yeah. And yeah. It, it was just because, do you know what? Yes, a pro could have probably forced her to do the job, but she didn't want to. Yeah. And no. I think that's no. got to count for something as well, hasn't it? But then you say you say that about pro forcing horses to do a job you know um my trainer has got a horse and he has a superb jump on him and, and you know he's absolutely fabulous but again he didn't like the job of jumping so she's dressaging him now and I've never seen a horse so happy yeah you know you watch him work and he is loving his life yeah. he loves his work he's enjoying it it's what he's meant to do and you know, she might, he might have... sounds like someone that the vegans 
people like her that's what the vegans need to see someone who has yeah. gone no no that's not what makes this horse happy yeah yeah absolutely absolutely and I think we could all just do sometimes with a big dose of realism like what yeah. is this horse making me happy am I making this horse happy and not be afraid to accept sometimes that it might be best for a different home for a horse mm -hmm. or a different job for a horse or we need a different horse it's that simple really isn't it yeah it's supposed to be fun and and I just think that there's a lot to be said for the Vinces and the Mannies. Oh. But I just think those horses that, that go the extra mile, the Vinces and Mannies, who really want to get you home. Yeah, absolutely. The thing with Vince is he has as much fun as I do out. He wants, he wants to jump the jumps. He wants to do this. He wants to do that as well as I do. On Sunday when we were at Kiso, we went into the show jumping and it was like I, I whinged on about it being hot. And I've been worrying all day about, oh, it's going to be too hot for him. Because... And we went into the jumping arena and he just lit up. Yeah. You know, and there's that feeling. He, he went a little bit feisty and he was a little, his ears are pricked and he was looking for the first fence. And you're just like, yeah, this, yeah. Is, this is what it's about now. This is, this is what you work hard for. And he, he was enjoying it as much as I was. You know, he came out of the start box and for the cross country and he was, yeah, he, he can always be a little bit, he sort of looks at fence judges and stuff a little bit and when he finds the courses a bit smaller. But he was really locked on and galloping and taking me into fences. And I just think, I just, yeah, I think that's what it's about. It, it's it, horses, as we've said before, it's too expensive and it's too time consuming to and waste dangerous. on. Oh, yeah, 100%. On just a horse and time that you don't want to do. Yeah. I read a quote. Um from Eric Lamar's after mm -hmm. he won on Shaco Kid and he he won a big class obviously he's currently being treated for a brain tumor he said it just shows what a good horse can do for you and how hard they fight and when you don't maybe have the fight in you they fight for you and that's what yeah. that did for me today and I like a little bit welled up it it like yeah gave me a lump in my throat because that's what it's about isn't it yeah absolutely it's about it is about the partnership i mentioned my trainer before and sharon and she sadly lost her old timer her old companion of many many years tankerstown and he was her i hadn't even re realized myself how much they had achieved and she wrote it all down in this on this facebook post um paying tribute to him after after they lost him and i was just like whoa what a horse what a what the, actually what a partnership they were because they you know they are still the last British partnership to have won the Moulin now five star they had a bronze medal they won uh, the world equestrian games team for, the, for Britain they did back-to-back -back badmintons including the old long format you know and I think even Sharon said she now she's tried to replicate that with other horses she did not realize what a good horse he was until now she's trying to do it again with the horses she's like whoa he really was such a, i mean he was he, we're talking about quirky horses here actually because he was quirky he had his little quirks did jasper but with regards to wanting to do the job and how he was but by the same token you know he had a great life he was retired at 16 and he was still so very very much loved and you know he wasn't just bunged out in a field and forgotten you know, this horse, he taught um, her niece 
do lots of things. I had the pleasure of having lessons on him. He taught me half path and changes and he was clipped and he looked up and you know till the day he died he looked like a horse 10 15 years younger than his actual age um Sharon still rode him regularly he was still so very very much loved and part of the family and we talk about we've talked about before the gratitude Mm. that people have for their horses that was a horse that was given his gratitude you know that there was true gratitude was shown for everything he's that he was done and yeah like you say he said you know he was such a good horse and even Sharon admits it now I don't think she appreciated at the time what a good horse he was yeah until now and she's trying to trying to do it again it's like whoa he was good man yeah so. yeah so I but think that, to sum it up they don't do they they don't need to be they don't need to be quirky and if you're if you've got a horse that's not making you happy that you're getting injured on that oh. you're kind of falling out of love with the sport that you're nervous to go to your shows because you don't know what the hell it's going to do to you, then like you don't have to prove anything to anyone. No. You no. don't owe anything to anyone, you know, but if you can find yourself and they don't have to be expensive, it's not about the money. Like I know no. that Vince wasn't a fortune. Manny wasn't no. a fortune. Um, I've said before, I compromised on things with Manny um, Manny looks like he's a jigsaw horse cobbled together with bits from different jigsaws. He's the worst confirmation in the whole wide world. And um, but you find the thing that you need and that's mm-hmm. important to you, and then compromise on other things. But like, yeah, you know, you don't you don't need a super quirky horse to get around most of the levels that we do. No, no, you need no, a kind. A lot. Yeah, let's hope for kind horses. Yes. So, with that, we are going to move on to our questions this week. Our first question is, what's the best ever tip you've got? Okay. I'm guessing this is horsey tip. Well, I hope so. <laughs> um, I don't think I could give a tip on anyone else on about li- life in general. If not, we'd have forgotten it because we're only interested in horsey things, so we wouldn't have remembered the tip. My life's a bloody disaster. But think of <laughs> a, a bloody nice tip. So my the best tip I have, and it's to do with competing, and it's about setting goals and targets when you go out. And most people, when they go to a competition, they say, I want to jump. Say you were to go to a competition, you would say, I want to jump a double clear. Or, yeah. I, or the worst one is, is I want to win this class or actually this was some work that I did with with my trainer on mindset and it's about stopping thinking about the outcome so much and to start setting your targets as being what you call your processes so for me I from, I know for my next competition that I go I know I thought about where I made my mistakes at Kiso and it's when I go to Burnham Market my dressage warm-up has to be more structured it has to be longer and I have to have him listening to me before I go into my dressage arena. So I set my goals as being things that I can easily achieve. Or, well, not maybe not easily achieve, but be able to achieve. And forget about results and double clears and placings and things like that. Because if you start thinking about double clears as being, your, uh, as being what you want to achieve, sometimes things happen and you can't achieve them sometimes you know you can have the horse on the best 
line the best spot and they still knock a pole mm -hmm. so you haven't got so you haven't got your double clear does that mean that your day was a disaster well actually if that's what you set as your target then yeah it is but if you set your target as other things which is okay which i need to think of for my show jumping exam my next show jumping round, i'm going to ride my corners i'm going to look up over my fences if i've done that i could take every single pole but my day has still been successful so my biggest tip was that which is stop thinking about the outcome and setting your goals as being the outcome and set your goals as being things that you can control and that you can do and then you can turn what should maybe be a slightly disappointing day into a much better day yeah tip for you there. i i've done something really similar i've read a really good book about it i think maybe one day we should do an episode on sports psychology because i'm so interested yeah in yeah yeah absolutely we should probably um, get Sharon, my trainer, in on that because she's brilliant. Yeah, that would be amazing. Yeah, so mine is actually from my trainer as well. So pancake is super, super hot. And she said, you have to get the horse to allow you to ride it. Because until it is rideable, you're wasting your time. You, you, don't, you can't teach it anything because you are always just managing. No. And yeah. That was amazing for Pancake. That was great and very true. But actually, it gave me a little bit of a shake-up across the board on all my horses. Mm. So you know how I think, especially when you've got your own, you'll maybe not ask something quite how you'd like to because they'll react. And you'll maybe not do quite what you'd like to do. And it gave me a shake-up for every single one of my horses where I would think, no, you have to mm. accept what I am asking. So when I'm coming to a fence, yeah. if I ask you to say slightly flex to the left, it's not okay to say, oh, well, no, because it's locked on. And so now it's dragging me in because that's what it does. No. no, you have to accept the aids that you're given and respond to them. And it, I know that sounds really basic, but actually it's made a massive difference to all my horses and to how I ride them and to what mm -hmm. I expect of them. So that Good is my, tip. yeah, that I think it's because it's quite recent and it's something that has recently yeah. made like a big change. So I feel like at the minute that is what I would say. And our you next. Might have to revisit it. <laughs> our next question is from Australia. Oh, good day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not answering in my Australian accent, don't worry. Because she wouldn't understand you. <laughs> she'd be like where's this american person going? well i don't know if it was american <laughs> so this is from kate who sent us such a lovely message thank you kate and she said how do you deal with the pressure of moving up a grade i'm very comfortable at a certain height but the thought of moving up even 10 centimeters terrifies me i'm worried i'll never make it to the next height competitively despite often training it at home do you have any tips well, I think my last one was what my trainer said to me about not being worried about the result and thinking about has setting your goal as your processes is the best one. So instead of going, because I think most people are nervous when they go up a level because they're worried about the result. They're worried about what's going to happen. You know, if she's training over the high that she's doing, then she knows that she can jump it deep down. So I think what she's worried about is being competitive. She's worried about going and being able to win or place or just jump clear or or whatever so she's worried about that and actually a lot of that is taken out of your hands 
you can't you can perform your very best but someone else can perform better so you can't worry about what other people are doing you can't worry about that so i think you've got to take the competitive element out of it and treat it as a big training exercise and once you can do that then you're a lot calmer about it all i've stepped up and been eliminated and cried and thought i was terrible and then thought actually no i stepped up there but maybe i should have done more work on this before i stepped up because then i wouldn't have got eliminated that so you know if you treat it as being a training exercise and think of it whatever happens at the event or the competition is feedback for your next training session then it takes the pressure away yeah that's a really similar that's one of the things i was going to say is like because i recently stepped up to fox and i thought you know what if i had four down it doesn't matter because i'll have made that jump and maybe the next time yeah. i'll only have three down and maybe the next time i'll only yeah. have one down you know and i think it's that it's not probably going to go well. That's fine. You've made the jump. Yeah. And that is, that's a big thing. Like, be happy with that. I would also say, um, I actually don't do this. I'm preaching what I completely don't do. But don't train at the level maybe that you want to go out at. Maybe train a little bit higher at home so that when you stepped up that level, you can look at the course and think, yeah. I've not only jumped this height, because you know what it's like. You might jump, say, a metre at home, but you get to a show and they're built up and the oxes are a yeah, bit yeah, square, yeah. fillers are in. If you feel like, well, I'm training even higher than this at home, it will just give you that little bit more confidence. Um, yeah. But I just think, give yourself, like, be fair to yourself. Don't, don't put too much pressure and too much demands on on doing it do it when you feel ready and maybe yeah. pick somewhere that build kind like we've i've definitely done yeah. that you know i'll take a young horse out somewhere that i know the fillers aren't particularly bad and i know they don't build up yeah right. give yourself all the chances you can and then just kind of just go for it just just go ah fuck it and just do it yeah at the end of the day everybody everybody in the world at some point has had to push themselves out of their comfort level stepped up everybody mm -hmm. you know and sometimes it has worked for them the first time sometimes it hasn't but every single person has put themselves out there at some point and just like you say just fucking do it sometimes it, it, it does become that if you overthink it then you ruin it for yourself yeah i remember like i heard i think it was tim stockdale someone was fretting because they'd got to a show late and they'd missed their class and they were like, oh, I've never jumped that high. And, and he said, it's, I think it's one hole or two holes bigger. Your horse yeah. will not notice that. And it's true, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, someone else said that to me. Yeah, someone said that to me. They went, the horses don't have a ruler. Yeah. They don't go into it and go, whoa, 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 whoa. That's 10, 10, 10 centimetres bigger. It's, yeah. Like, I can't get my words out there. <laughs> it's the excitement. So I think, yeah, you've just got to kind of not, make it something it's not mm. yeah just just wing it fuck it have a gin <laughs> don't have a gin <laughs> you could afterwards have a gin afterwards i'm not advocating dry riding and i am actually have a gin um and maybe a couple of valium or some i don't know but you just just it it was okay you might not 
complete, you might get eliminated. That's probably the worst, isn't it? But you'll have learned. Everyone's been eliminated. Every failure teaches you something and gets you closer to being successful. Exactly. And you could go, oh, I got eliminated at that sort of fence. So before I go out again, I will do that again. Yeah. Or I got eliminated because I did that. That's fine. You know, it's stop being afraid of fucking up. Think of it as part of the process. Exactly. So fucking up is going to lead us nicely on to Oh, here we go. So do you want to go first or actually, shall I go first? Yeah. Mine's, mine's gonna... not that good. So I had a bit of an advantage okay, because I so, got... Hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. You've got another story other than thinking that Jesus had contacted you. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. I know. My life is one big screw up. Yes. Okay. So I have the advantage of I knew someone had sent in a really funny one and then you told me you had a really good one. So I was like, do you know what? I don't need to stress. Like mine's... Well, actually, yeah, okay. maybe you're going to laugh at me a little bit. So they, they came in quite quick succession, these two, which I think when they're combined, like just made the people around me just kind of go, what the okay. fuck? Like, so the first one was, I was frantically searching my bag everywhere for my sunglasses when my friend said, you do know they're on your eyes, don't you? <laughs> Not even on your head. No. You're actually wearing them. I was wearing them. So that was the first one. Then that was very swiftly followed by, um, we walked onto the beach and you know, like you have those bits where they have the sun lounges and you have to pay for them. Yeah. So they had that and there was a big blackboard and it said um, C, I think it said like 23. And then it said air, like 26 or something. So I looked at it and I said to Ben, do they charge you to swim in the sea if you swim in this section of the beach? And then I looked oh and saw God. the air and I said, air? Do you have to, how, you can't charge for air. You're not allowed to charge for air. And he was like, that would oh be my the God. temperature, Katie. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm absolutely, God, that sounds like something actually I would do, to be fair. And that is the sort of shit I was like, coming out with. Oh my good God. I'm a little bit gobsmacked about <laughs> this sounds a bit like where I'm going with mine do you want to hear this yes okay I need to, I'm, I'm I'm people of a delicate disposition you may want to switch off don't switch off actually because you like you listening <laughs> but um I had a patient on Friday and they very kindly shared with me a fairly horrific stomach bug which I came down with on Saturday night at about 2 a.m and I was what we call calling Huey on the big white telephone for um <laughs> a very long long period of time I think oh it was it was over 13 hours I was very very poorly uh, and I hate to say it's both ends you know I'm gonna go there I'm gonna go in there <laughs> and also this bug was pretty special in that I was running a temperature with it so anyway so basically I was just very very ill and when I wasn't being ill I was sleeping and having these awful you know when you've got a temperature and you have these really vivid really bright dreams really really vivid dreams anyway um on monday i was in bed all day and i was like sleeping and having these very vivid dreams and all of a sudden i woke up and i suddenly thought shit i've booked the gallops at my trainer's house it's too late now to cancel it i'm gonna have to go i can't let her down so i get myself out of bed and i chuck on these clothes i go and drag vince in from the field load him up on the lorry drive to my trainer's house 
Luckily, she's not very far away. And as I pull in, I thought, I'm just going to double check what time I booked these gallops for. Looks like I keep everything on my phone. Looked on my phone. No booking of the gallops. I was like, what is going on? So I went onto the yard and I said, I think I've done something a bit odd here. I said, because I know I've booked the gallops today and I don't know what time for. I'm really sorry. And Sharon looked at me and went, you haven't booked the gallops today. And I thought, oh my God, I've got the wrong day. Because I've been unwell, I've got the wrong day. She said, you, you haven't booked the gallops at all. So basically what has happened was I dreamt that I'd booked the gallops. <laughs> woke up and took my horse to the gallops thinking even though I dreamt it thinking I'd booked the gallops and rocked up at my trainer's yard sweating like because I was running a fever looking like death and I'm like and she was just like looking at me going what is going on I basically floated in because there was like nothing to me left and I was like going on about booking the gallops and she's like you haven't booked the gallops so yeah I dreamt I booked the gallops and so I took my horse to use the gallops uh, that's pretty special isn't it that is pretty special I honestly I'm starting to wonder how we managed to get a podcast out between the two of us <laughs> oh god but oh. wait for it all I can say is I did can I just add as well I did get to use the gallops because Aww. She is very amenable, is my trainer. She was just like, well, seeing as you're here, go on, you know, go and use them. So I just like, like so clung on and cantered in. We'll do anything <laughs> to use the gallops. <laughs> so I got this message when I was on holiday and it made me crease laughing. Um, I've told oh, everyone. I'm looking forward to this. So I got this message from Catherine, who has asked for me not to read out her surname because she says she can't take the humiliation. Yesterday, my daughter asked to go out on a hack. We only have her pony in the family now. She's more like a big dog, as my child seems to have missed the horse Crazy Jean. Any chance that she shows an interest, I'm all over it like a rash, in the hope that she gets interested. So I pack my car with all the stuff. The pony gets stable to save trying to catch her in the morning, and we're all sorted. We need to trail her out to get decent off-road hacking. This point is important. So this morning we get up, child announces she doesn't actually fancy it anymore. She'd rather watch Netflix and chill out. I lose my shit and start harping on about how I've packed the car, made sure <laughs> the pony has been stable the night before. To appease the wrath of mum, daughter glares at me, but walks off and gets dressed. It's 8am, so hardly the crack of dawn. Get to the car 20 minutes later, pack everything in from the stables, hay net made, stable jobs done. We get in the trailer, drive to the forest, at the time of driving, I'm giving the child a lecture on planning and how you shouldn't let other people down. And when you back out, it's not fair. Get to the car park, park up, get out, drop the ramp to discover that we left the pony. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. By this point, I'm ready oh my to yell with God. frustration but I spot my 10-year-old crossing her arms, raising her eyebrows, and in a scarily familiar tone, she says, planning is key. <laughs> I am now here, arse on the sofa, I... with a grin and laughing at myself. Well, she is brightening me up, I tell you. That is brilliant. Is that oh not the best? Goodness. Like, I sent her a message and I was like, you are my favourite ever. That is the best. I, th I think she's my favourite person. I think we should get her on the podcast. Yeah, she sounds I like think, one of us. I think I, she's one of my people. She is, what a ledge. How what, amazing. Oh, 
Oh, she is fantastic. There's not even any competition. Like, she is getting the rosette. No. No, I think if we if we could get her a trophy, I think we could. <laughs> um, I think that... I've, I'm just amazed that that's just so brilliant. That's just made me roar with laughter. I thought I was... I thought dreaming I'd booked the gallops and turning up to use it. I thought I was a dead cert this week. That is who could beat that as a wanker. Turns out the mother that leaves her kid pony whilst giving her kid a lecture on being organized and planning is more of a wanker than me. This has, been a, this is a bit like my this is a bit like my section at Kiso last week. This is a tough section this week. <laughs> it was, it's a tough section. Yeah, she definitely a tough section. She literally, she made me laugh like my husband. We were all creasing when I read that out on holiday. Oh my God. That is, I just, that is beautiful. That is Better just than beautiful. Then having to listen what, to was her name from a 10 year old daughter. I'm not telling you what, it's her name. Don't tell me it was Catherine, her name. Catherine. Catherine, I love you. That's all I need to say. You are just the best. Well You're done, Catherine. The week and our hero of the week. Oh, it combined that is just beautiful well done Catherine well done and on that note we are going to leave you for this episode thank you so much for listening please tell lots and lots of people to listen to our podcast we yes, like please do. messages we like people listening to us and and if you do anything like what Catherine did just please share it with us because that has just made my life yeah not even just my week that was or amazing maybe Catherine if you want to do anything else <laughs> Catherine, okay. she's gonna be writing in every week isn't she? we were like okay Catherine enough now love enough <laughs> <laughs> fantastic please do contact us <laughs> all right so that's all for now goodbye